What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. I'm just kidding. I'm not going to go there. But maybe I will one day. Yeah, who knows, Internet? Who knows, Blog Talk community? Who knows, Geek Vibes Nation? How are you guys doing tonight? Another episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance coming to you like we do every Wednesday, 7 o'clock. Um, yeah, and uh, we're going to have a great episode. Um, I have my co-host uh, standing by. Uh, Chris, how are you doing? Are you still there? Yeah, man, I'm doing wonderful. Uh, really no complaints. About to crack open a beer and get ready to talk talk about some wrestling, put some knowledge into some ear holes. How about you, Jay? You know, I, I wish I had a uh, a book. It, I think that's what Stone Cold makes um, Gallows and Anderson call it. Like, we're going to crack a couple of books. That's kind of funny. But I don't have <laughs> any books, if you will. So uh, instead, uh, I'm going to give you my, my fantastic personality. Um, I'm just kidding. But we have a great episode tonight. Uh, I kind of wanted to, and, I, and this is kind of like I'm going on the spot here a little bit. I haven't even told Chris about this, so he'll probably love it. But I kind of want to – we have a week where there's multiple outlets of wrestling. Kind of like give suggestions if you guys didn't get a chance to watch everything. Maybe a couple matches, and we're going to go probably more extensively into one of them. But I definitely wanted to say that I enjoyed the Kevin Owens-Finn uh, Balor match on Raw, SmackDown, the three-on-three match was awesome between The Miz. Um, oh, the, it was The Miz, Samoa Joe, and uh, Rusev Day. Yeah, against The New Day, which was a clash of days, if you will. Lackadaisical. <laughs> um, and then, if you actually want to step away from Ron SmackDown, I checked out Impact's uh, PPV, if you will, during the, the weekend. Um, and Austin Aries and Pentagon had a really cool match. Kind of wonky finish, but it kind of worked. And I enjoyed it. And definitely want to say, check it out. Uh, if you didn't get a chance to check out the Super Juniors, uh, the, the last match is worth just to watch. If you want to just skip to that, it's up to you. I would say go back and watch it if you have all that time. If you don't, I think there is a couple of videos of compilations of people kind of taking the spots from all of them, which kind of takes away a little bit of the fun out of it. But uh, definitely check out Hiromu Takahashi versus Ishimori. I was a big fan of Ishimori when I saw him on Impact. Uh, matches with Sonya Dutt, uh, Matt Sedell. He won the X Division Championship while I was watching during that time period. And he is built like a shit brick house. Uh, dude, reminds me kind of like Rey Mysterio, that size, but still that strong and big. Or kind of Kushida-ish a little bit. Like, he's not, not necessarily, but like same size stocky. Great match between the two of them. They tore the house down. Chris, 
Um, I heard that you want to like tell me about some news stuff. We gotta, I, I gotta figure out a better way of going about that. Like when you do the news, like, hey, Chris, the news <laughs> or some shit. But I, I, I just went for it and it kind of, it sank. Uh, but I'll just pass it to you now. Shut me up. Sure, man. We're gonna go to it in no order at all, really. I'm just gonna go through things that I found interesting this week uh, in the week of news, mostly coming from June 5th uh, through multiple sources, and also there's been a vignette aired. With Leo Rush, which for those of you who don't know, Leo Rush is known from uh, promotions, you know, PWG, Evolve, in a short time uh, in both Combat Zone and Ring of Honor. He was also, yeah, I guess he won there. He won Combat Zone. I, I can't remember if it was Combat Zone or Ring of Honor, but he won a, like a top prospect tournament in 2016, and then he signed with WWE back in July 2017. Um, he's been doing some events with NXT. And I guess they are moving him up to 205 Live. He cut, he cut like a really cocky heel, or what I consider a heel promo, almost like a little bit of a heel rock feel to it. He called himself a living legend in a 23-year-old piece of gold. Uh, curious on what you think about Leo Rush heading to 205, and you think this helps or hurts the 205 roster, and maybe one feud you would like to see Leo Rush get into when he gets there. Oh, Mustafa Ali, most definitely. Those two would rip shit up and have an amazing cruiserweight match. That's the person that comes to mind right off. I think him and Cedric would do great. Um, or Buddy Murphy. Uh, by the way, if, if that wasn't the previous week, because we didn't talk about it, Buddy Murphy and Cedric Alexander was a great match for the title at 205 Live. I've been really impressed with a lot of the stuff I've been seeing with them lately. After they changed focus, I mean, after Triple H took over, <laughs> they kind of went in a different direction. And honestly, if anyone's stock goes down from Leo Rush coming into things, it would be Leo Rush's, honestly, from that whole entire. Like, I think that NXT, people appreciate it a lot more. I understand that 205 gets exposure, but if you got to look at it to a live sense, you know, it keeps an audience, but a lot of them leave. I mean, it, it's on um, the network and everything, but I, I just feel like, if you're going to get more exposure, he would get it technically on NXT. Now, NXT is at the Performance Center. It's, it's, even when it's traveling, it's, it's in a smaller venue. I get that. Uh, but 205 is getting better. If they keep on working on it, I wish they would just combine both concepts into one thing, two-hour stretch show. All the con- you know, Everyone can take on whoever. You know. Well, I guess you, you can't go to the Cruiserweight unless you're a Cruiserweight, but all the other titles are kind of included. And they just, I'll just hope for the future. But anyways, uh, to wrap up my question, because I'm going all over the place, um, I think that he's a great addition. Um, I think that he's going to help out stuff. Uh, I like this promo. Um, and I just hope that he really, you know, puts puts his all into it and doesn't take it as a demotion. And I don't think anyone should. And shit, I mean, I'm, I'm coming from someone who's a, the, the shipping manager at a, at a t-shirt printing company. You know, I think anyone that's, that's made it that far in wrestling knows that they've done a great job, but you know, 205 Live seems or has been in the past kind of like a dumping ground. And now it seems like it's trying to get a little bit better. It's, it's getting a lot more talent. Um, I'm very excited, you know, who they get later on. Still terrified if, if they put Tommaso Ciampa, Johnny Gargano, or potentially Ricochet on there. But if they're doing good enough, or in, an, in, in my perfect concept, they, they combine with NXT for one show, then it won't matter as much. If But even though I enjoy it, it's it's still 
nowhere near to the top of the level as some of the other wrestling stuff that I enjoy. Yeah, uh, and I agree with you in a lot of ways. I would love to personally see uh, Leah Rush start out kind of a low-level feud with what they're doing with TJP, basically putting people in submissions and talking about how he wants to take his talents to uh, promotion. Someone that's kind of fed up with their situation in 205 Live and then someone like Leah Rush coming along and basically being like, humbling well, him. Spot. Yeah, humbling him and telling him that he's going to take his spot. If you don't want to be here, I definitely want to be here kind of thing. And I wish they kind of would have built it like that. Um, I look forward to seeing him face against, like, Lince Dorado and um, Mustafa Ali, obviously, is a good one. I think he's going to have to build up to that a little bit because Mustafa's been getting a bit of a push from what I've seen on 205 Live recently. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Padeo Otami would also be great. And then, of course, Cedric Alexander, who's kind of just holding, being the anchor over there on 205 Live. Uh, I think it's a good move for Leo Rush, uh, mostly because I just Leo Rush – is really I don't want to say really small, but he is a he is way smaller. He has a way smaller look and feel to him than say like a Ricochet or a Finn Balor. We're talking twenty thirty pounds, yeah. but it's a big difference height wise. Leo Rush is five six, um, so I always kind of saw him fit the role of of a smaller you know two hundred five live guy or a lightweight champion if they went to like a lightweight division. Um, some of the work I've seen him do in, in like I said, Ring of Honor, um, I've really enjoyed. There's been some dumb stuff he's done in the past that I haven't been the biggest fan of, but obviously him showing up on 205 Live as a, as a known name is going to be great for them. So I, I'm looking forward to it, and I think they're going to try to continue to build this. And I also really liked uh, – I really liked his promo. Um, you know, he was being punished for some of the comments he made on Twitter – it's great that he got a really cool vignette out of it. I think people are looking forward to seeing him, and I think it's just about matching him up into the right feud. You know, if he gets the right feud, I think it could be really, really, really well done with him. And I, like I said, I thought the promo was pretty good. Um, it had more of a, you know, a personal feel, like it wasn't all written. Um, so hopefully they're actually going to let him, you know, kind of take that gimmick a little bit. Not necessarily like an Enzo Amore where it's just full out, because I don't think he's that good on the mic, but it, it 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 was like a breath of fresh air a little bit over some of the promos we've heard over the past couple of weeks specifically. So yeah, I actually really really enjoyed it. Um, you got any other comments before we move on? Nope, I'm good on my own stuff. All right, cool. So going into uh, what we talked about last week, and I guess we're going to get the official results of this, but the jury ruled in favor of both CM Punk and Colt Cabana in the Amon suit, which is Dr. Christopher Amon versus Phil Brooks, a.k.a. CM Punk, and Scott Colton, a.k.a. Colt Cabana, ruled that neither man were liable for any damages against a WWE physician in the defamation lawsuit. The jury only took two hours to deliberate. Punk and A.J. Lee, um, April Mendez, began, to cr- began crying in court when the verdict was read. Uh, Christopher Amon obviously did not have the same reaction because he lost. Uh, Mon's attorney were asking for, oh, let's just round it up to $4 million. It was something like $3,989,000, I believe, but $4 million. I mean, $1 for every listener of the Art of Wrestling podcast that Punk was uh, Punk's show supposedly had. So basically he was trying to reclaim a dollar off every listener, long story short. Um, Punk's attorneys noted that WWE's medical records were not reliable because they never listed any of Punk's antibiotic prescriptions and that the plaintiff's argument 
from WWE doctors that there was no lump was given was ridiculous given that four witnesses came forward, described it in detail besides Punk. Now, the witnesses aren't listed, and I doubt they will be, um, being this kind of a closed court case for the most part. But when you have four witnesses saying something is so, it's really hard to, you know, go on the offense against that, I guess. Uh, the key to the case appeared to be the testimony of Punk's massage therapist who described the lump in detail and of his wife, who said she noticed it started starting at a zit-like size in August 2013, and it grew and changed color over the months. Um, while there's actually no proof, which is what we were getting at last week, with if he actually had proof of this being considered staph infection, um, he said there's no proof that the lump was staph infection, let, let alone MRSA staph, as Punk had stated on the show. The jury evidently felt that Punk either misheard the doctor or, if not, his exaggeration did not damage a mom's professional standing. So obviously people already kind of felt a certain way. Once again, the case was held in Chicago. Kind of felt it was either going to go this way or settle out of court. And uh, kind of, I, I kind of feel happy for Colt Cabana for this not going in a negative way just because uh, of his and Punk's current standing with each other and, and how that would have worked out for someone like Colt Cabana who's obviously not financially in the same place as a CM Punk in, in uh, AJ Lee. But uh just overall feelings and comments, Dane. Anything you got to say about this? Real quick, can you um, let me know? Was this uh, basically was WWE behind the doctor suing them, or was it just the doctor off a of defamation of character, off Punk saying everything about the situation on air? Did WWE have anything to do with it besides possible? Well, they probably pay for his lawyers, obviously, but besides that. To be honest, it, it's been floated either way, whether it was his lawyers that were committing this act or whether WWE actually had some backing in this. Um, I feel like maybe the backing was more on if this was going to go towards a malpractice lawsuit because that would make WWE look bad instead of a defamation suit. And maybe CM Punk realized that and kind of backed down a little bit and didn't call in all of the witnesses that he could have called in. Um, it's kind of a weird scenario because from everything that I've ever heard about the situation, that thing was some sort of staph infection. Uh, he basically had a giant pussy object that grew on his arm over a time period. Uh, so, you know, it's a weird it, was, it is an infection of some sort. And the fact that WWE couldn't provide records of this actually being a problem was a huge deal. Um, this is probably more of a situation of let's get this over with. Uh, I don't know how much WWE had to do with this. There was posts before that was like, well, it's going to be long and drawn out because Christopher Vaughn is part of WWE and WWE will back this case um, or fire him as their head, you know, doctor, which they've done neither, and the fact that, you know, it's it doesn't look like it's going to go to, like, any kind of malpractice lawsuit after this, unless CM Punk held something back, which I don't know how that would work in a lawsuit. Um, I don't know, man. That's a really odd question. It's one of the ones that we were kind of banking on last week is of who is who yeah. involved in, but uh, because I've heard multiple rumors that, yes, WWE law firm is behind this, which would make sense because he is a doctor that specifically works for them, just like he would have in a boxing commission or a UFC commission or the NFL. NFL has their own doctor. They have team doctors. Um, 
So it's it's a really weird thing. I would assume that WWE had their hands at least involved in the knowledge of this case, or their lawyers would at least know what was going to be said and what was going to be done, just because this is going to make them publicly, this is going to put them in the public eye. So maybe yes and no. I I, I don't know. I don't have the correct answer to that one. I I get what you're saying, though. And I think the main thing is that, yeah, I'm happy that he won. Um, Not so much that I'm a CM Punk fan because I wasn't around watching wrestling then. I I do appreciate going back and watching some of his matches and a lot of his promo work, obviously, the pipe bomb and everything. But as far, you know, I'm more happy for Phil Brooks, if you will, and Cole Cabana. I don't know. I forgot what you said his real name is, so I'll just kind of go over that. Um, Anyway, um, but because this is a terrifying concept, Chris. I mean, we do podcasts on a weekly basis now. You know, our, our listenership and stuff like that is definitely not to certain levels as certain other people, but, like, the concept that you can say something on air and someone can sue you for defamation of character thing, I mean, yeah, he probably should have gone to detail, especially if he's going to forget something, like, you know, significant stuff involved in it. Um, but either way, uh, you know, the concept of that is kind of terrifying. So, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of glad that he lost um, just because, you know – Within it, there's not a lot of good if if you were to actually, you know, win the case and everything. And besides that, with CM Punk, I I feel that even though he kind of misjudged it, he was pissed off, and this all seemed to have happened. And, you know, they're lucky there is no, from what you think, and I I, I tend to agree with you, obviously, uh, I don't think they're going to sue for malpractice or anything like that. I think this is just going to be nipped in the butt. It sucks that CM Punk has to pay for the expenses of the lawyers and everything, and I'm sure he's probably helping out with uh, with Cole Cabana because it kind of put him in this scenario. Um, so there's that. You know, I'm sure this is weighing on him, and it sucks that this had to happen right before his fight this weekend um, with Mike Jackson. Um, you know, I don't know either way how he's going to do. Um, I I don't have a lot of hope for him. Just I mean, I'm. I, I, if he wins, great, but I don't even know if he should pursue it after that, you know, but that's a whole entire other conversation. What I'm trying to say is I don't think this is going to affect him too much, Even and if it would, it would probably be more positive because he's won, but maybe it did weigh down on him, but either way, my ass is cutting a promo if I lost and saying, it's because of the fucking goddamn court case, blah, 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 and just blame it all on that and just get the hell out and go back to wrestling. Come on, CM Punk. Yeah, I, I think I would go the same route, too, if I lost, which, you know, once again, people are just going to say that he's making excuses if that's the case. I, I don't know enough about his opponent to know, like, the skill level. And also, I haven't seen enough out of CM Punk because his last fight was actually, you know, pretty short for the most part. Um, I do know that they both lost to the same opponent, right? That That is something going into that fight. This is one of the ones that I look at in... CM Punk and Cole Cabana are paying for their defense out of pocket. They didn't counter-sue for legal fees. Uh, so either way, both of these guys lost money. Um, both, you know, And even you know, Christopher Amon would have lost money on this unless it was actually backed by the WWE. I think this goes a long way um, into a lawsuit against WWE. You're looking into something. If you're going to sue for malpractice, then yes, now WWE is going to get involved. Um, in a way where the concussion syndrome protocol, that that lawsuit has been going on for years at this point, right? 
So now you're talking about instead of, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars, you're talking millions of dollars, a class action lawsuit, multiple uh, multiple people joining you to go into this lawsuit. And I think that's maybe why we didn't get some of the proof where they're talking about the staph infection, um, just based on what he said. I, it's really hard for me to think that someone would come up with this shit off the top of their head, uh, especially in talks of passion. But obviously, he's a wrestler, and he knows how to cut a promo, and I'm not baiting that, but... Uh, it's just one of those things where I think money-wise it would make more sense for CM Punk not to get tied up into a lawsuit for three years, especially with a company that he may want to go make money for again. Not saying that he will ever show back up in WWE, but you definitely don't want to force your hand, if you, especially if you're feeling comfortable. So I think that that's kind of where that fell. Um, that was the most interesting part of this case, is if he's able to prove, like completely disprove this, and also prove that it was malpractice, where does it go from here? It would obviously go to a malpractice suit. Uh, but, you know, after I thought about it more and more, that would be when WWE would step in and you would have a long-term lawsuit similar to a concussion protocol lawsuit where Punk would have to find other people probably to join him um, in this endeavor to prove you know, beyond the shadow of a doubt, this wasn't just malpractice of him. It was a, it was of multiple people. Because otherwise, they would just tie this thing up in court forever, and it would cost him tons and tons of money. So it's, it's a weird situation. I'm glad it's over for him. I'm glad that you know, I do feel like that this probably happened. I don't know that it happened to the, the exaggerated. Well, right now, what we would have to think is an exaggerated sense of that podcast, uh, with him saying he almost died. Um, and there being no proof of that, or at least no proof, you know, provided to a jury. Um, I feel like, you know, this guy suing them is, he had his feelings hurt, and and that's fine. Uh, It costs both of them a lot. It costs, you know, both, like all three parties, a lot of money. So it's a a weird scenario. I'm glad it's over, and hopefully CM Punk does well in his fight this week. I I don't necessarily know if he's going to win, but it would be good for him to go, you know, three rounds. I think if he can go three rounds, he'll at least start gaining some respect in the the UFC community, especially if he's actively fighting for three rounds. I think that would be the best thing for him. Um, And maybe he'll get lucky and knock this dude out or catch him in a hold or something. I don't know. He's been training. So it's going to be an interesting fight, and and I'm looking forward to it. But uh, the the thing that I come out of this with is, like, I'm kind of glad that out of everyone here, Cole Cabana is not losing – not ending up in this battle of $4 million, um, which they might split yeah. two ways, and that would fall on Colt Cabana, who just has a podcast and is, I mean, is a known indie wrestler, but, like, he's not on the level of, like, a Cody Rhodes. You know what I mean? Like, hey, Colt Cabana does well for himself, but it's not the same. It's not the same of, like, we talk about indie wrestlers now. Colt Cabana, in a sense, is a true indie wrestler. Uh, where he's working multiple places. He's not, like, stuck on Ring of Honor or TNA. It's, he's going kind of everywhere, uh, similar to – I hate to compare him to this, but, like, obviously we talked about him a, a, a couple of weeks ago. Joey Ryan, like, he's one of the – like, Johnny – like, he's bouncing around, not even on the same level of, like, a Johnny Mundo where he's bouncing around to, like, triple A to impact. It, it's a different scenario. Like, Colt has his podcast. You know, you know who he reminds me of? Kind of like a modern uh, Tommy Dreamer. Almost same thing. He's connected to a promotion, but he kind of jumps around from whatever, you know, 
and does whatever. Yeah, because he just, he just yeah, I fought could... Nick Aldis for the NWA title, I believe. More yeah, and he's done a lot of. You know what I'm yeah, and he's done a lot of work with the NWA in the past. Um, so it's it's just one of those things where he had a guest come on his show and say some things about a very high up company that somehow he got in trouble for. Uh, so yeah. I don't know what the defamation is other than him providing an outlet, which would be like if you sued, if like Donald Trump sued someone on CNN for saying that they hated Donald Trump or something. Like at some point you have to draw a line. To me, this this is a case that should never have made it to court. Uh, but it's it, it kind of opens up this thing now where you have to look at shoot interviews and be really careful what you say. So someone like a uh, Jim Cornette who is constantly shitting on everyone all the time. This does set a precedent, especially if it's someone that you've attacked multiple times, say like a Kenny Omega, uh, where you can make a case that someone like Kenny Omega, if they really wanted to, they really wanted to pull that card, which I don't think Kenny Omega would, could go after someone like Jim Cornette's podcast. Because it's specifically Jim Cornette's podcast talking about someone in a very, very negative way. If you play that in right... And if you're playing that in front of the right jury, it's going to be really hard to say that's not defamation. Um, so it's a it's a weird scenario, and it kind of makes you know it's not going to make me walk on eggshells by any any, any case, but like in any sense of the word. But it, it it's it's something interesting that I think will be looked over right now, but will come to play later on as shoot interviews get more popular and people stop watching, start watching more YouTube and we get more and more wrestling podcasts and more and more guests um, on different shows and anyone getting slighted, especially one of these big name guys. I think you probably could have heard something like this from Daniel Bryan. If he would have left, uh, he probably would have been really bitter if he never got approved to go back. We don't know him as a person, but I would assume that that would, that would piss me off if I was approved by, you know, 11 other specialists, and there was one specialist holding me off because of concussion syndrome and a CM Punk lawsuit. That would probably piss me off pretty hard as well. Um, so the entire lawsuit is just interesting from the standpoint of what this means for the wrestling and the pod, the wrestling podcast business because the majority of podcasts people listen to, if you really think about it, are the ones where you get these interesting stories and these kind of shoots on different wrestlers and different uh, people within the company, so it's going to be it's going to be an interesting ride for the next couple of years after this lawsuit. Uh, any closing thoughts before we move on topics, man? Um, I, I guess just I myself am wondering if this will weigh on his mind. If he'll use this as an excuse if he doesn't win. If he's going to win, and honestly, ultimately, my biggest question: if he doesn't win, if he does win, will he come back to professional wrestling in some? I think it's all questions that we won't know until after this weekend more, basically. Well, we can at least speculate about it. I think you're in a situation that if he loses this time and doesn't have at least a good performance, the UFC fan base isn't going to care about him. And I don't I, – I know there is a crossover between wrestling and UFC. And you could say, well, you know, Brock Lesnar lost. It's like, yeah, well, Brock Lesnar also won. And Brock Lesnar had, by submission – it's not the same thing if CM Punk loses twice. And he was fighting top-tier dudes. Uh, Brock Lesnar wasn't fighting, you know, mid-rank, or what I would consider mid-rank in the UFC guys uh, in the same way as CM Punk. I think if he loses twice, then Dana White's just not going to re-sign him. 
Um, it wouldn't make sense for Dana White, especially if this pay-per-view does as bad as their last pay-per-view. If CM Punk doesn't draw in that fan base, then he's not going to have a choice but to go to either Bellator or back to professional wrestling or just retire. I mean, if he's made enough money, that might be all that matters. Um, he could always box or set up some kind of weird fight with uh, Conor McGregor. He could cut promos on each other, I guess. I, I don't know. I, it's going to be a weird situation for CM Punk either way if he loses the match because I just don't see... It's Dana White. So if he's not going to make money off of you, he's not going to pay CM Punk the amount of money he's making currently under a USC contract. Um, so yeah, I, I agree. It, it's all going to come down to what the pay-per-view... Like, say what you want to say about Brock Lesnar, he's still going to draw a pay-per-view rating in UFC. Anyone is last UFC fight. Now, there was some stuff well, around that, but, peop- but people aren't going to remember that. They're going to remember that Brock Lesnar lost, like, won his last MMA fight and that he's a former champion. So it's very different. Like, I don't know that CM Punk, if he loses two fights in a row, that you're going to get UFC fans to pop on that unless you put him in a card with a Bones Jones or someone, you know, not not against him, but on the same Lord card as someone Mayweather? <laughs> Maybe. As a warm-up match, that'd be interesting. I I hope CM Punk's groundwork has really gotten that good because otherwise, like, Mayweather just stays <laughs> into him. Knock the fuck out. Oh, my God. It would be really, really That's... bad. I don't even know if they're in the same weight class. I would have to look. I mean, not like Floyd couldn't lose weight or gain weight to move up and down. He's done that in the past. That would be actually – that actually should have been the fight, especially if you're really going to go with this Floyd versus Connor. But they're All saving the that in. as a spectacle. Yeah, I mean, they're saving that as a spectacle. Like, they're definitely saving that as a spectacle. Um, so you won't see – you're not going to get a warm-up fight for Floyd. But that would have been a fun one, CM Punk versus Floyd Mayweather. That would have been uh, good, probably good for both of them. Yeah, CM Punk's fighting someone – like, I personally, I've never heard of him. If you're a huge UFC Almost, fan, you probably yeah. have, and you're yelling at me right now. But um, it's it, – if he didn't do so bad in his last fight, I think this would be more intriguing. If he does bat in this fight, I think this is kind of the nail in the coffin for his UFC career. He could possibly go to Bellator. Uh, but I like at some point if you're not making money Yeah, and you're not and if you're not making money off someone uh it's not it's not worth keeping around. Like at this point I I don't know that I don't know that this fight is gonna draw more than like Dada versus uh, what was what was the guy? Uh, oh man, rest in peace. I can't remember his name right now. You get what I'm saying? It's a, there's cer- certain Bellator fights they've had that I think will end up drawing more money. That's what I'm getting at. Not out five thousand. Yeah, I. The, uh, God, Kimbo. Like, to me, that's a bigger draw than who CM Punk's fighting, unless you're just a wrestling fan. But. It's a UFC pay-per-view, so the average wrestling fan isn't going to pay for this shit anyways. They're going to steal it off the internet because they're not UFC fans and they just want to see CM Punk. So heads up, UFC, like, be hard on your anti-steal game uh, when they tune in for this opening match of Punk versus some dude they've never heard of. Yeah, and don't go to any of the websites that I might go to at all to get it away from because I want to watch it. Um, <laughs> God dang it. But seriously, the promo wars, guys, so it's going to happen. It's just been announced, confirmed by Christopher Ray Patton. 
you're going to see Floyd Money Mayweather versus CM Punk at All In in a boxing match. Winner takes. I mean, not a boxing match, MMA match. Winner takes all. They're gonna they're gonna fucking do it. It's gonna be great. That would make a shit be- ton of money. That's all I'm trying to say. That would. It doesn't I mean, matter what happens. If you if you said that Floyd Mayweather was going to wrestle or shoot wrestle CM Punk in a match, even if it was a like a worked shoot, and they were cutting promos for the next three months, then yes, it would get over. Though I, you know, CM Punk isn't going to go the same route. Conor McGregor, McGregor. Be the special guest referee, and Conor McGregor be the special guest referee in it, and then he can like get his yeah. input, and we get all three of them. But see, like box, boxing in the boxing in the UFC would never let that happen because they would be afraid of people thinking that both of those sports are also a work. You know what I mean? But it would make a fuck ton of money. So maybe after they all yep. three retire from their respectable businesses, then they can do whatever the hell they want. Until now, they're till then they're in the contract. So uh, I guess we'll move. Yeah. Let's move on to one of your favorite wrestlers, as far as I know. Probably up there with Steve. One of your favorites of all time. Oh, I know where this is. The Iron Man himself, Mr. WrestleMania, the showstopper, HBK, Shawn Michaels, has came out and said that he is open to one more match. In an exclusive interview with Sky Sports, Michaels says he doesn't dismiss the idea of returning to the ring for a one-off. It would have to be done the right way and just for one match rather than something that ran for longer. could be possible, but people would have to accept they wouldn't be getting the showstopper Mr. Mr. WrestleMania and that I am 52 years old now. That he cut his um, own hair. And let's take a look at this. His last wrestling match, as far as I know, was WrestleMania 26. He lost to The Undertaker, right? Streak versus career. Gave his farewell speech. He's been working Performance Center. Um, in the same article with uh, Sky Sports, which you can check out, he talks about uh, as far as people he mentioned, possible names, people we want to work with again. Um, from what I read, the top three were Daniel Bryan, Johnny Gargano, and AJ Styles. And personally, when I look at this list, the one that stands out the most is AJ Styles, just because of the comparison that the entire internet has given him this entire time. But the match I would probably want to see the most as far as in-ring work goes, I don't know, man. It's it's going to be close with AJ Styles and Johnny Gargano. Curious on your thoughts, uh, what you would book if you had to do a one-off match, how you would set it up going uh-huh. into it. Um, and basically just like how stoked you are that Shawn Michaels finally came out and said, hey, I'm – didn't say, hey, I'm done. Uh, the only thing I'd say about this is Stone Cold Steve Austin has said the same thing like six years ago and has never came back. So don't anyone get their hopes up, but it is really cool to hear HBK at least talking about it. Um, I think my favorite wrestler of all time, which is Shawn Michaels. um, I think he's the greatest wrestler of all time. Uh, And you know what? Ric Flair thinks he does. thinks he is too. So that says a lot. Anyway, he's the greatest in ring performer. Um, But either way, all I'm trying to say is that I think that Sean, if, if I give my honest opinion, I think that Sean has been working at the Performance Center and is missing the ring. I don't think this is going to lead to anything. I think that what he's doing now as being the coach and, and really working first with Johnny Gargano, then with Adam Cole, 
you know, and now with Velveteen Dream, he's really apparently taking guys, teaching everyone, but teaching specific guys and giving him, you know, some of his ideas, which I think is great. I think that that's an awesome contribution. But if we are to play with this, even though he cut his hair, and I know that that sounds stupid, but, you know, I just can't imagine Sean like he is now, you know, with the whole, he looks like my, my uncle. You know, he he doesn't really look like Shawn Michaels, uh, the heartbreak kid anymore. He's not a kid. I'm not a kid either. So it's whatever. Nostalgic and shit. Um, but yeah, if we're if we're gonna if we're gonna play around with this, Chris. Oh, I gotta say that I'm disappointed a little bit. I think that the guy that I compare the most with him, I mean, he's got aspects of a lot of people. Is Seth Rollins, and I think they would be fun to bounce off each other in the ring, or even like a little bit leading up to that. Um. But AJ makes the most sense. AJ, you know, might not stylistically be very much, as much like Michaels. Yeah, he does springboards and, and whatnot, but they're different. Seth, I think, is more like him stylistically, and I think that I've said this before. AJ reminds me of, of Rob Van Dam in a lot of aspects, of um, uh, probably the Michaels is in there, but he's just the best of now. So it's the best of now versus the best of the last generation, if you will for in-ring competitors. You know, your LeBron versus Jordan type of concept. From what Sean said, I think later on that same article, though, most likely he'd be more down with doing, it was something on the lines of he'd be more down with doing a tag match, maybe with Hunter in the future. So I'm going to propose my idea. Now, if we get one-on-one, God, between, I mean, his protege, Daniel Bryan, who would compliment him so well because he's more technical for Sean, very similar to the whole Brett thing. And, I mean, they know each other a little bit. Uh, you know, Seth, who he didn't mention, but I think has a lot of aspects. AJ, who is, like, I think the modern best in-ring competitor. And Johnny Gargano, which is, like, this generation's with the Steamboat. You know, God, that's a hard bunch. But I'm going to go AJ. I think that AJ's the money. If I want to be selfish, though, uh, before Survivor Series happens, um, they have this whole entire thing leading up to it next year in which Seth Rollins, and I'm coming up with this right now, by the way, everyone. I've not written this down. just popped in my head. Uh, AJ Styles and Seth Rollins are going back and forth. You know, one's the house set versus Monday Night Rollins for Seth Rollins. Blue versus red, the best representative. They're in the ring talking, talking shit to each other. And then DX music hits. Triple H, who has problems with Seth Rollins, comes down. They start, they start at, you know, because maybe they claim they're the best. They're the best two wrestlers of all time. So, of course, Hunter with his shovel and Shawn Michaels comes out, and they're like, no, we don't think so. And somehow you can get that Survivor Series, make it the longest match on the bill besides maybe, you know, divvy it up, but this is one of the big ones, obviously. It's a return of Shawn Michaels. I know that sounds like a smaller one, but I don't think – if they do a singles one, I'd put it on Mania. But I don't think Shawn's going to want to go to Mania unless he thinks that he's Mr. WrestleMania. It seems to him he wants – if, to entertain the concept, it would be much more, like, smaller in scope. Survivor Series, DX versus AJ Styles and Seth Rollins, because I said so. And that's, that's my match, basically. I think, all, I think all of what you said is, like, all of that would be awesome. Um, and thinking about Shawn Michaels and where he's at currently in his career, and the match that people would want to see, to me, is... The one that I've seen hyped the absolute most is AJ Styles versus Shawn Michaels. But 
what I would suggest, instead of doing a tag match, would be to do maybe a fatal four-way match uh, with a Sean um, and AJ Styles with them kind of being buddy-buddy, maybe set it up a little bit uh, with Sean helping out AJ during these bad situations and then building to something with, say, a Triple H and maybe a Samoa Joe or a Kevin Owens, uh, where you can get best Sean moments that you need, but he doesn't have to go full speed the entire time. You can get good Triple H moments, but he doesn't have to go full speed the entire time. And then you can lean on someone like a Samoa Joe who could be working for Triple H versus, you know, an AJ Styles for the majority of the match. Or you have someone that's just good at everything, like AJ Styles, who could, you know, sell out of the, sell everything uh, coming at him. Um, I feel bad leaving Daniel Bryan out of this. I need to see more from Daniel Bryan before I would want to throw him in this match. Uh, as far as, like, what he's done since he came back. Uh, because, Daniel Bryan, obviously. honestly, in that scenario, Daniel Bryan's got to, you know, walk Shawn Michaels through this shit because Sean's going to be coming back and stuff like that. So, yeah, you have to have Daniel Bryan more ripe or previous to this, I think, to be able to pull that off more so. So it doesn't – you don't want to do a disservice to Sean, you know. If he's going to come back, you got to get someone that be incorporate and bounce off of him. But Daniel Bryan makes sense. I mean, that's like student-teacher. But I, I agree with you on that. I, I think it would be really great for a Fatal 4 match, Samoa Joe, um, kind of as Triple H's henchman, putting Triple H over in some matches against AJ Styles. Maybe Shawn Michaels is getting mad about it for some reason. You can build the storyline however you want. And then, you know, some weird stuff happens. Maybe it's not one match. Maybe it's two matches to set up the feud. I don't think Shawn would be against that. Maybe it's a tag match. If an AJ collide, it sets up a fatal four-way. You throw that on a SummerSlam. Um, or a you know a Royal Rumble, something other than Mania. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that you would get a really great match because you would have Samoa Joe, Triple H, and AJ Styles, who both can control the ring very well. And you can have Samoa, you can have Sean still hit all of his spots, still look uh, like great. Like Sean's going to sell amazingly. I don't think that that leaves your body. And I think that you could have a fucking amazing four-way match with those guys. It's just building it properly. And since Triple H is CEO, even though he only really shows up on Raw, he can do whatever the hell he wants. And if that's a match that they think they can sell money, that would be the one that I would go with. I think you could also, you know, you could sub Joe for Kevin Owens. Obviously, they would plan this match out a little more, similar to what, you know, HBK did with a uh, with Rick later in his career. And maybe that's what you do with HBK in this, in this uh, situation. What I don't want to see is, like, Roman Reigns versus HBK. <laughs> uh, but any of the guys that he named and the fact that he wants it, if he wants it to be a tag match, I'm fine with that. Uh, I don't necessarily need another match out of Sean. I would love to see Me a match out of Sean. I don't think that he's done. I think that he could definitely have one more match at 52. I mean, hell, what? what fucking Terry Funk was 58 doing backflips and ECW and having some of the matches of the, like best matches of the year. So wrestling. Yeah. You can do whatever you want to whatever age you want. I mean, Ric Flair was, I believe Ric Flair was older than Michaels when they had that legendary match at WrestleMania. Um, so given the right opponent and AJ Styles, 
given an AJ yeah. Styles, I, I think that you could get a lot out of him. A lot more than HBK thinks that you can get out of him. Um, and it may take some preparation. It may be something that's not called in the ring, something that may be more booked, similar to some of HBK's last, you know, last matches. But I, I just, you know, that what I would do is fatal four way because I think you could build two stars out of that. And if you're going to throw Hunter into the mix, it needs to be building people, not shovel style. Um, so it was interesting you brought up Johnny Gargano because putting someone over like Johnny Gargano would be huge for them. I don't know it does as much for Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles, but Johnny Gargano getting a win over Shawn Michaels in the singles match would be fucking incredible for that man's uh, WWE career. Absolutely. And let me just say also that when it comes down to the aspect of people saying, oh, I don't think it's going to happen, I agree with you. But also take a look at a wrestler like Ricky Steamboat. Ricky Steamboat, after what, the early 90s? He said, he's done. I'm not doing this anymore. And he got attracted to come back for one more tag match around probably the same age, if not a little bit older, that Jericho was a part of that convinced him, because that was one of his favorite wrestlers and arguably one of the greatest wrestlers of all time in ring wrestling-wise, um, to be a part of it. And it was like him, Piper, and one other person, I think, stuck up versus Jericho. And then that led to another match with Steamboat and Jericho that was actually a pretty damn good match for Steamboat at his age. So I could see a scenario like that with, like, Chris Jericho, AJ Styles, good modern, I mean, this is not that long ago, but you know what I'm saying, Chris, modern equivalent, um, getting the older guy, Shawn Michaels, just like Jericho got Steamboat into it. It just got to be the right aspect. And, you know, if for a multiple concept, that first time they come back, they have that tag match, they realize – wow, I can still do something. All right, I'm going to do like one or two more. That's a very big possibility, if it happens, though. But I don't think it will. Yeah, I agree with you. And I, I think that that's a good way to put it is I never thought I would see Ricky Dragon, you know, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat in another match. Um, I don't think anyone did, honestly, especially not in a WWE ring. I think at this point anything is possible. We're seeing Undertaker working a house show uh, which is another news topic we're going to talk about at Madison Square Garden. I don't think anything is impossible in WWE. I think the way that they work now um, with the PG Air and some of the things that they're able to accomplish is absolutely incredible. I don't think it's far-fetched at all to see Shawn Michaels step back into a ring for one more match, I, I, especially for a big enough paycheck. Chris, <laughs> the thing is, is how big... Kenny Omega. What's up? Kenny Omega. Versus HBK? Uh, I don't know, man. Now we're talking about now, now Omega's got to play softball. <laughs> oh, don't say Sean. Damn, dude. All right, I guess you're right, but still. I mean, AJ Styles no, is I don't, like, I don't mean it. I don't mean softball. it. I don't mean it wrestling. I don't mean it wrestling skill-wise. I mean, like, Kenny Omega's laying his shit in. Uh <laughs> New Japan yeah. is completely different. Maybe he could wrestle a different... I don't think... He can't just go straight against Shawn Michaels. He would have to be at the WWE for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that he's working a little softer because... I saw Kenny Omega, match. I saw that new... That, that Young Bucks match against the Golden Lovers, and uh, they weren't really holding anything back. And I don't know that Shawn's wanting to work one of those kind of matches. They're friends. Being that he, he's known for not wanting to work those kind of matches... 
Like, didn't he make Vader cry for hitting him too hard or something? Yeah, he made Vader cry. Okay. Oh, my God, they're both bitches in that situation. Have you ever heard JR talk about that? It, it's amazing. JR, he, he yelled at me, and JR's like, will you quit crying, you big pussy? Come on, man. <laughs> like, I can't imagine Vader. Well, I'm sorry, this is kind of off topic. Anyway. Now, I would say, uh, like, if you were going to go something that route, maybe like a Tanahashi would be really, really interesting. Yeah, um, that would be amazing. Or, you know, Cody Rhodes would be really cool because he can work that light WWE style. Uh, if you built it right, if you're bringing Cody Rhodes back to WWE, the, the thing is, is like, you know, like, if you really wanted to put someone over put this match on an NXT pay-per-view. One, you're going to get NXT more views because it's Shawn Michaels and have it be someone like Ricochet or Velveteen Dream that he's working with on a, you know, maybe not a weekly basis, but a week-to-week basis. And imagine how big that would be for their career. Like a Velveteen Dream or a Ricochet. What if you do Gargano and HBK versus Triple H and Tommaso Ciampa? Yeah. You could do something like that. And I think if you were going to, if you're going to launch a new show on Fox, for instance, and it's going to be NXT Live, I think that would make a hell of a lot of sense. A hell of a lot of sense. Um, it's, it, you know, yeah. there's so many opponents for Shawn Michaels that he could easily put over. It's just, does he want to put them over? So when I hear the names of like Ricochet and, uh, you know, uh, the Velveteen Dream and these guys that he's been training, Adam Cole, that would be the, the people that I would actually want to see him face. When you start talking about people like AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan, they're already over. A win over Shawn Michaels yeah. isn't going to make or break their career. Not that Johnny Gargano is not over. I think he is over to some extent. I don't think that he's over with the people that tune into just Raw and SmackDown and the pay-per-views, but definitely people that yeah, tune into NXT. Exactly. But if you're telling people that Shawn Michaels is going to wrestle on NXT, you're you're giving you're opening up the entire brand. You know what I mean? Like so that, that's like if you're like Alistair huge. Black versus the Undertaker, Alistair Black versus the Undertaker on NXT Takeover. It's the only place you're going to see it. It's only on the WWE Network. Like that's how you get more eyes to that product. Yep. And if if you're trying to build. If you're trying to build that kind of show, that would be more of what I would aim to. Though the dream match, and I think what would sell a you know a standard pay per view would be you know AJ Styles versus Sean or Daniel Bryan versus Sean in a straight singles match. And I don't think any of those are wrong answers. Is there like a dream match you would want to see Sean go into with maybe someone that we haven't mentioned? I mean, I think I. I'm trying to think of, like, on the opposite end of trying to get people that are, are similar to his style. So, you know, away from AJ, away from Seth, away from Adam Cole. Johnny Gargano even has definitely tendencies of a, of a – well, he reminds me of Sean, too, in aspects. Uh, man, that's, that's a hard question. I mean, I think that anyone would be disappointed if you didn't give him a similar concept. But if you gave him someone – like a Kevin Owens to work with, and he's really influenced by Sean too. I mean, if you listen to KO, Stone Cold Steve Austin and Shawn Michaels were his two favorite wrestlers of all time. Um, that would be a little more interesting because 
you know, Kale can go everywhere. He's good technically. He's technically sound too. Um, not not too crazy, but yeah. And I've heard Sean mention Finn Balor in the past too. Like you know, if he had a chance to, that's another guy he'd love to tangle it up with. So I would either say, um, if if we're gonna go a little more out of the box, Ko, Sammy Zayn would be awesome too to have a match with. Damn, dude. Sean, the thing is, even Sean at his age is going to be able to produce something really special, and the other person isn't going to have to do too much work to get him to look pretty fucking amazing. So, I mean, that's what I think, at least. It's, it's, it's like the whole Ric Flair-Sean thing, but in a different spectrum. Um, so, I, And everyone's talking about the fact that Sean looks incredible, and he wor- he's been you know, working in the back incredible at, at the, the Performance Center. So, yeah, I would say... KO, or they get Zack Saber Jr. to come over, and he has to get that human octopus off of him. Sure. Oh, Pete Dunn. Fuck that. Pete Dunn. <laughs> versus Shawn Michaels would be fun as so hell. This, en- this, entire, this entire conversation just turned into who could Shawn have a bad match with, which would be <laughs> hard fucking pressed. Uh, my personal, like outside of the ones that we've already talked about, I think if you really wanted to give Sami Zayn a push, I think they would have an amazing match with with each other. I think I still think to this yep. day that Sami Zayn has gotten the best match out of Nakamura. Um, yep. And 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 has had some of the best matches in the past, you know, two to three years, uh, mostly with Kevin Owens, unfortunately for those two, uh, but. That the guy's fucking incredible, and you could have a good match. But it would take them relieving some of the goof off of Sami Zayn long enough to push him in a way that would make sense for him to go against Kevin Owens. If Sean's talking about a one-off, though, just one more match, I mean, it makes sense to go with the big banger. But if I was doing it, I would want a Velveteen Dream or, you know, a Ricochet or someone that I am trying to build on NXT so that when they come to the main roster, they're like, holy shit, this dude beat HBK. Like... I would make it a bigger deal. Just like, you know, Jericho in New Japan is a huge deal, even though he hasn't been there in years. But Omega beating him was a huge deal. And I feel like you could do the same thing with Sean and probably doing it against someone, you know, that maybe not all major fans know. Well, the question I was going to ask you real quick before we move on, because, I, yeah, you're right. Would Sean be looking for putting over younger talent from NXT that he's cropping or going out kind of – symbolically like he did with Rick, and that's why it would make sense for AJ to have his last match with him, you know what I'm saying. It's kind of like where's his mindset at. And I think I, I think I think at least it's actually if you'd rather put over like a younger talent. Um, I think that's more Sean's thing. But I could see that grander type of concept of, you know, mirroring that uh, with him as, as well. I mean, if he chose AJ, he's trying to have match of the night, and he's clearly not tired of being the showstopper. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's the way I looked at it. You can't say I don't want to be Mr. WrestleMania, I don't want to be the showstopper, and then be like, I would totally love to have a match with AJ Styles. Because AJ Styles is going to be like, we need at least 30 minutes. <laughs> We're going to make this shit work. It's going to be awesome. Um, just because I know yeah. that AJ's respect for Sean is really high, and also Sean's respect for AJ, vice versa. Ever, actually, everyone's respect for AJ at this point. Um has been kind of crazy, but uh, moving on, we're going to go Great. into the football. Are you ready to talk about the, the football? What's football? Is that <laughs> soccer in Spain? <laughs> the American football. Um, 
So just out of left field, I'm going to go ahead and throw this out there. It's nothing we need to spend a lot of time on. But the XFL has officially announced their commissioner and chief executive officer. And no, he's not Vince Man. It is Oliver Luck, uh, who is father of Indianapolis Colts star and probably, um, I would say, one of the best quarterbacks in the league before his injury last year, Andrew Luck. Uh, he also played quarterback at West Virginia University and had a stint as a backup in the NFL in the 1980s and is leaving a position as the executive vice president of regulatory affairs for the NCAA. So this is a guy that has been involved in the NCAA. Those of you who just watch wrestling and don't care about football at all, the NCAA does really, really well ratings, or really, really good ratings in general. College football is a huge deal. Um, it's a big deal. It's a good gift for Vince. <laughs> it's, a good, it's a big thing uh, for them. And the biggest thing coming out of this is that Vince McMahon is going to be going not only head – I don't know if he's going head-to-head with the NFL, but – there is also the Alliance of American Football, which will be debuting in 2019 a year ahead of time. And uh, some of those coaches have already been announced for that league. Do you think that the XFL in general is going to do anything at all for Vince McMahon, or do you think this will be a total failure six weeks in 2020 when they start their football season? Well, Mr. Luck, I'm sure that you have a lot of credentials, but good fucking luck. Did you see what I did there? Um, uh, I'm sorry. The only reason that I – look, I think uh, with the fact that he went back into this, started more to develop a game plan, he wants to do it on the off season. he wants to – like he had all these great ideas. And there are football fans. I know I'm friends with them, a bunch of them, that want to watch football all the damn time. So I could see this potentially doing well. Screwed all that up is his ex-partner that was his, the guy that he went all in with for the XFL originally is the one who's doing the competition. And he's coming out at a year beforehand. So either that is going to push Vince to go, well, you know, if they're doing really well, what the hell? You're going to compete with their schedule and do the exact same thing? How the hell would that even make sense at that point? Like, I don't think people are going to be like, you know what, fuck it. We'll do five football leagues that we'll watch all year. That's how much I like this. Who knows? Maybe they're into freaking football like I am to wrestling. I don't know. I'm not a sports guy besides combat and the fake shit. Anyway, what I'm trying to say is that with that being there, I just don't, I don't understand. It, all right, but then the opposite concept. So they completely sink. Yeah, Vince is going to be, like, laughing and doing that <laughs> probably in his office if they sink right before they come out, but that's not going to make them look good either. So uh, I think he's going to go through with it because he's stubborn as shit and fucking crazy, but I don't think it's going to do well. I think that it had potential to do decent, but that was kind of shot in the butt when this other league came about. I think it's hilarious that Vince is slowly getting a taste of his own medicine, which is the NFL is the WWE of football. And then below that is the NCAA, which is college football. And even in the off months going into football, you still have the NFL draft. You still have college day signings. You still have tons of sports news about the NFL. The NFL is the WWE of football. Um, and the NCAA is, like, right behind them as New Japan. Uh, so 
where I see XFL, to put this in wrestling terms, uh, is you're basically having, in America, you're going to have Impact versus Ring of Honor with this XFL Alliance of American Football. What I would say is the Alliance of American Football has already went out and signed some notorious names, such as Michael Vick, um, some former coaches from the NFL, and it's kind of putting Vince behind the eight ball a little bit, and I'm curious on what the game plan is. Uh, the only thing we've really gotten out of uh, – the only quote that I've really seen that's been floating around from Oliver Luck, Andrew Luck's father, is that Luck said that the XFL respects individual freedoms but will require players to stand for the national anthem, uh, which is – a weird oh thing that's going on in football in general, but I, I, I mean, if they're going, I mean, I will say the one thing about this is it gives the TV network the the chance to just pull the plug on this thing completely. If the Alliance of American Football flops, um, it's going to be on CBS. The other thing I'd say is this deal with Fox Sports um, and this being in the off season could give Vince McMahon a slight advantage uh, with Fox Sports having so many different networks. Um, I don't know, man. It's weird. Uh, I think that they underestimate how popular the NBA and the NFL are during this time period, which would be the playoffs. So it's just a weird thing. Uh, I think Vince loses his ass on this like he did the first time. I don't ever see the XFL. And I definitely don't see Alliance of American Football, which is a terrible name, by the way, uh, ever getting over. If we're going to put it in wrestling terms, I think there's – I think I – think, I think other sports fans would rather like watch other sports Reigns. during that time period. Yeah, like, uh, this is one of those things they should have probably just buried. So, uh, the only other news we kind of briefly hinted on earlier is that The Undertaker is set for a WWE Madison Square Garden house show. Um, coming off his matches at WrestleMania 34 and the Greatest Royal Rumble, The Undertaker's next appearance for WWE is set. Madison Square Garden revealed this morning. Um, and by this morning, I mean exactly on June 4th <laughs> that uh, he will be in action at the Brands House Show at the venue on July 7th. This will be the Undertaker's first time wrestling at MSG since 2010. So this is a huge deal. Uh, they haven't said who he's going to be wrestling against, as far as I can tell. But what this would lead me to believe is that the Undertaker is sticking around for some more pay-per-views. Uh, and my question for you is, how excited are you to see The Undertaker continue? Do you expect from The Undertaker going forward if he's going to have a couple more pay-per-views, probably a Royal Rumble match leading to Mania? And who do you hope he ends up feuding with during this time period, being that he lost to John Cena, or beat John Cena's ass? Hmm. Um... Well, I mean, my dream concept requires a lot of restructuring, which already needs to happen, but it would be Luke Harper and him having a match at Madison Square Garden. Because that's not going to happen. Madison Square Garden in general, God, that would be so great. And kind of like what we were saying with Shawn Michaels, if you were to go against Johnny Gargano or Ricochet or someone affiliated with that brand, if the NXT champion, Aleister Black, comes out, and I know we've kind of gone over this over and over again. And Undertaker has a match with him. Even if Aleister Black loses, it will put him over even more so. That the fact that him and the dead man tackled up, maybe had a staring contest at first, 
you know, and that will, I think, help him out immensely. And then he doesn't have to have a program with them on the main product like Bray and get compared constantly with them. It'll be a one-off thing, kind of like a little nod. I don't know how they would do the finish, but I'm sure, she, uh, obviously, I think Taker's going to go over most of the time. Um, I, can, I don't have to have Undertaker ever do another match, but he's already gone into it. I thought Roman was a great wrap-up, but if he wants to keep on doing this, I want him to get a win over Roman Reigns. Uh, obviously not Mania. I want him to get that back, obviously. I mean, that makes a hell of a lot of sense, uh, given that he's on his greatest hit tour. Um, and who else? He already went against Rusev. Send Luke Harper. Oh, Finn, ba- Finn Balor, him and the Demon. Them battling it out would be great. Uh, kind of random and out of, out of nowhere, but him and Daniel Bryan, I think, would be an interesting duration. I think the, I think that's about it. I mean, I, like I said, I'm not too excited about him continuing, but he did look great. So, you know, for his age, you know, I was very impressed that he was able to pull off the old school and stuff like that at Mania. So I think that if he has those type of matches, I thought him and Rusev had a good match, um, you know, given his age and everything. So if he wants to keep on going, like I said, good for him, but I could have had him stop right after Roman. That could have been it for me. Yeah, and I think you named a lot of great names that you could work in with The Undertaker. I really don't know what they're going to have The Undertaker do. This is one that I've thought about, and I don't have a great answer for you. I think this will be a one-off match. They may probably – it's a house show, obviously, so it won't be filmed in the true sense of WWE. So they can have him face whoever he wants to face. You can see him just totally beat down a Kevin Owens or a St. Great Buddha. Uh, probably not great Muda. <laughs> I don't think no! Muda is going, going to the MSG anytime soon. Uh, but also announced on the same show, Ronda Rousey will be making her Madison Square Garden debut July 7th show. And uh, as far as the advertising going, um, based on the article was written originally, is that it's list, it lists her as facing Nia Jax in a women's championship match, whoever's champion heading in. So that will be decided when Rousey challenges for Jackson's title at Money in the Bank on June 17th. So this is going to be, or July, I guess it's July 17th. Oh, what the hell? No. Oh, basically they're saying whoever wins this match will be, you know, it'll be a championship match, but whoever wins will be facing at this house show. So Ronda is doing house shows. Uh, do you think Ronda is keeping her word on wanting to put in the work in the same way as the other wrestlers? Because if you're wrestling an MSG house show, maybe, but also Brock wrestles MSG's house shows. So I don't know if this is keeping up appearance or practice for Ronda or what. It does look like this feud with her and Nia is going to go past this match. Um, and it kind of leads me to believe that Ronda is probably not taking the title off Jax at Money in the Bank. Completely wrong, but th- that's going to be my guess, is this is building to something else, so Ronda is probably losing at Money in the Bank based on this advertisement. But once again, this is just this is what's been announced on the billboard outside of MSG, so it doesn't necessarily mean it's a, uh, it's a, it's a thing. Um, any thoughts on Ronda and if you think she'll win the title or if you think they're going to delay it? And uh, are you excited for this house show appearance you're not going to see her on? <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited for Rhonda to be on Madison Square Garden. I don't think that has anything to do with her being 
100% committed or whatever and doing house shows because it is Madison Square Garden. It's it, just like you said, just Brock Lesnar. She is a name. She's going to get people, she's going to get butts and seats. That's always been the strategy with Madison Square Garden. That's why Bruno did so well, et cetera, et cetera. So, but as far as do I think she's putting in the work? I think she's putting in the work. I think that it's the wrestling stuff that she's putting in the work of. She needs to get better on her mic skills when she's on commentating. They've tried. She's kind of floundering. But I think it's WWE. Like, I think she's there every night, and everyone's like, oh, well, where's Ronda Rousey? I think it's WWE's trying to make sure they get her for certain points. So if it was up to her, I'm sure she would be doing house shows, like, as much as possible. But I don't think WWE wants her to do that. I think they want to groove her in. And sometimes I feel like it's kind of sloppy because it's like, all right, don't screw up, and they just kind of put her out there instead of, like, I feel like working with her. I don't know what they could really do, get her a acting coach or something. Um, but uh, either way, I think that is good that she's going to be on the bill at Madison Square Garden. I don't think she's going to win the championship. I'm not convinced on that. I think there's going to be some stupid, wonky finish that will screw it all up and make extend the feud. I don't know if I put the belt on her. I mean, you've kind of like flip-flopped Nia as a heel, baby face, kind of like the big show at this point. So um, I guess you could take it off her, but it kind of makes her whole entire reign stupid since she won it as a baby face and lost it as a heel a couple months later. All right, whatever. Instead, extend it. I mean, it is someone that, that Ronda can look, you know, it looks like a, a, a good build you know, match, think that they need to take some chances. I want to see Sasha in that position to be able to take, you know, Ronda under her wing. I'd love to see Bailey honestly work with Ronda, you know, and really get some good matches out of her. And Nia seems like the next person and the smartest one. She trained her. She's her, her training partner professionally, too. Uh, they went to the same gym even before Ronda was a wrestler. So she's known her for a long time. She's probably taught her a lot of the stuff in the wrestling community. Um, so I, I, I think that that would be the most logical person. So, no, I don't think she's going to win. I think it's good for Madison Square Garden, but I don't think it means much to her doing whatever. But I think it's WWE's fault to give you my uh, answer a little bit quicker. Yeah, and, I mean, like I said, this match of Money in the Bank is June 17th, right? So this is right around the corner as far as if she's going to win the title or not win the title. I think it probably makes the most sense to put the title on Ronda and have her go through some people um, until you can pump up someone like an Ember Moon. Or, uh, to me, Sasha's stock and Bailey's stock has really sank after the feud that they've had. I don't think it's on the same level. I think maybe someone like a Carrie Zane or Shayna Baszler or someone from the next T would be the next person to fill that spot with Ronda just kind of having a title run. Um, I do think that she needs to be there more than Brock Lesnar. But the fact that they're having a match at Madison Square Garden leads me to believe, no matter the outcome of that match, that that feud is going to go more than one match. Because um, a house show match is basically going to be a practice match. So I, I, I'm going to go on a limb and assume that that's going to be more than more than what it looks. Uh, what's going to be weird is seeing Ronda Rousey actually wrestle Nia Jax in a full match, a full-length match, and how that goes, and how she's able to work with Nia Jax and her size, and what Nia's going to do to try to make herself look strong, and how well Ronda sells. That's the thing I'm interested for at Money in the Bank. 
The other thing is, uh, you know, July 7th apparently is going to be a banger of a day because New Japan's G1 special is going to be at the Cow Palace. It will be taking place on July 7th. It's going to be in America. I'm assuming they're going to show it on AXS again. Uh, G1 special in San Francisco starts on Saturday. Are you excited for the G1? Nothing has been announced yet, but just are you excited for the G1? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm very excited. I'm just hoping that I can keep up with it. I, I got one day off last year, and it was like it fucked everything up, basically. I just had to wait because I, I already knew the results, and everything was happening, and it was kept on happening, and it was like just a tumble-down effect. And It's a lot of hours for anyone out there to devote yourself to, but I promise you it's worth it. Uh, just don't try to get your little brother into watching the G1 for the first time and being like, yeah, watch this match. And then a Yano match comes on against uh, Kenny Omega, who you've been hyping up for like a while. Uh, I'm just kidding. I love Yano. But um, that's a seriousness of what happened last year. Uh, but, yeah, I, I'm very excited. I want to keep up with the whole entire thing. Um, I'm looking forward to an awesome tournament. And either way, I mean, this is what's great about New Japan. They They put their all into everything. And I'm not going to say – you know, I can give WWE crap, especially with this Raw and Smack. Well, more Raw than anything, because the storyline's boring. But they still have had better matches. New Japan takes that and ties it by 10 on something like this. All their matches are amazing. You wonder how they were able to structure anything with such a sh- short amount of time, especially since they're going on. And these guys, literally, I mean, it's already competitive nature. They already know what the hell's going on. They're trying to get – they know who the winner is, obviously – but they're beating the crap out of each other because they want to show off the world, and this is the biggest Japanese wrestling in general. So, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And um, I'm going to predict, without knowing anyone involved in it, that, oh, man, who am I going to make a pick for? This is stupid. I didn't really think this at all way through. Yeah, I was, um, I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why you're making a prediction. We haven't seen the card yet, but... Uh, uh, who won it last year? Naito or Kenny Omega? Naito did win. Naito did win last year. Omega the year before. Okay. I don't want them to do the trend, so that that kind of makes me believe that that Omega might win it this year. But I kind of don't want either one of them to. I kind of want someone new to win. But I'm not sure who the fuck should that be. I, I don't know. Um, actually, never mind. Um, I'm going to pass it back to you. I have no idea. <laughs> I'll shout out randomly when you're trying to explain something else in a second. Well, uh, well, I'm just going to go on a limb and say, if you are in <laughs> the Daly City, California area, there still are tickets available for the show. Really good seats available, too, for the first day of the G1. Um, it's nuts. They're doing the Cow Palace. It's a way bigger arena than what they did. Uh, I believe they didn't do Cow Palace last time they were here. So. Uh, it's interesting to see. Like I said, the show is... Uh, from what I can tell, as of right now, it's not sold out, but they haven't announced the card for it, so I think once the card gets announced, that might change. But, uh, yeah, if you're in California and you want to see some good wrestling, the G1 special is happening July, starting July 7th. So. I would I would get there and go do that thing. It'd be awesome. I don't live anywhere near San Francisco, and I uh, can't take a plane out there, so it's going to be it's gonna be me watching from home, giving my hot takes. I'll cuddle and, with uh, you. I, uh, that sounds good. I think that, uh, you know, 
pretty much wraps up the news for me. There was one release, Zeta, who was part of the Mae Young Classic, uh, is no longer part of NXT. I don't know the reasoning for that. There wasn't any real details on it, but she has been released. Um, posted a Terminator gift saying she will be back, which I'm assuming she means Indies. But uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much that's pretty much it for news. I have no more news. The end of the news. News is over. The news is over. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, people. We're working on it, okay? Jesus Christ. All right. Well, let's uh, quickly, uh, you know, towards the end of this, why don't we go briefly through Ron Smackdown, Chris? You ready? I am. It's going to be all uh, about as ready as I can ever be for Raw or SmackDown. Well, sounds great. All right. So what happened is Elias is trying to play a song at the intro, okay? He's trying to do his thing. He insults the crowd, of course. He insults Seth Rollins. Rollins comes out. He's pissed off. Uh, it's all a trap. It's trap. And Seth Rollins, uh, or Seth Rollins gets destroyed by Elias and Junior Mahal, who happens to be in a feud with Roman Reigns, who had his best buddies with Seth Rollins. So Roman comes out. Then they have a match. Um, Jinder Mahal and Elias defeated Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns. Basically, there was a drift away to win the match. Um, yeah, that was that was pretty cool. It actually wasn't a bad match. It's fine. You know, it just Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns are obviously a little bit better in-ring workers than Elias and especially Jinder. Um, nothing against them. And one, once again, they had two nails thing come and interfere. So that's the cool thing that keeps on happening. Uh, Chris, you got anything for that one? Yeah, I mean, I just don't like the self-serving of every time we are trying to push Roman Reigns, we tack, tack him on to Seth Rollins because it's bad for Seth Rollins. Um, and that's exactly what they did here. I mean, this match was to build the feud between Roman Reigns and Jinder. It really had nothing to do with Seth. I mean, I guess him and Elias are technically in a feud, but no one sees Elias as a real threat, so it's more just about, hey, how do we make people like Roman Reigns? He's coming to the aid of his friend. It's We've seen it before. I'm kind of fucking tired of it. The match itself was fine. It was a long tag match. It was one of the longer matches on Raw, actually, uh, believe it or not. And I thought, you know, made sense for the heels to get the win because they're probably going to drag this out in multiple matches. Uh, probably either singles with interference for the next couple of weeks leading into Money in the Bank. But yeah, I, you know, I wasn't a huge fan just because this is... Uh, I'm so tired of them just shoveling. It just Stop putting Seth Rollins with Roman Reigns unless you're actually going to make them a tag team or some shit because I'm just tired of seeing them. Alright, what better strategy? to increase Roman Reigns' appeal to the audience, make him suck Seth Rollins' fucking juice dry, or smother uh, the Rusev Day stuff so that everyone stops cheering for him? Which one do you think is a better strategy? I'm going to shoot myself in the head. Uh, both. They should just continue down the road of both. Fucking dumb. All right, well, I'm not joking about this. I actually know James Harden uh, defeated... Kurt Hawkins by disqualification, getting his 200th loss, which is actually a pretty cool setup. Big old taco bar. Except for the fact that I thought about, like, not only could homeless people eat all those tacos, but I could eat a good chunk of them. So it was kind of a waste of food, but, you know, whatever. They have a bunch of tacos displayed. Curtis Hawkins says, look, 
This is local talent who happens to be named James Harden. Um, I'm going to beat him because James Harden sucks. He gets a lot of booze because they're in Houston, I believe. Are they in Houston? I don't remember where they were. I don't know what the basketball team connection is. I'm sure Chris is going to correct me in a second. Um, and, uh, yeah, so basically they're going to have a match, and it looks like he's going to finally get his first win. And said so he got a 200 loss when Baron Cor- Baron Corbin came out, screwed up the match, disqualification. Baron Corbin announced that he is a constable of Raw to provide checks and balances to Kurt Angle per a letter from Stephanie McMahon. Why the fuck is Stephanie writing uh, uh, letters anymore, Chris? You'd think that she would send emails. She's the major CEO of a company. Um, this is – I felt bad for Kurt Hawkins. I kind of wanted to see him get one win or at least, like, have something where it seems like we're going to have, like – I don't know, maybe he loses to every jobber or some shit like that, which will be something. But no. And, and really, Baron Corbin? They don't have anything for Corbin to do. So at least he just showed up and beat up, like, two jobbers or whatever, I guess. No idea. Uh, James Harden <laughs> is, a reference, is a reference to Houston. Uh, they recently got eliminated from the NBA Finals. Not the Finals, but they, the tournament leading into the Finals, whatever. They, they've lost to Golden State. Look, I keep up with sports. Uh, <laughs> that being said, um, this was not the real James Harden. <laughs> nope. Just to, just to throw that out there. It would have been way cooler if it actually was the real James Harden and he beat Kurt Hawkins, but I guess I couldn't swing that on such a short amount of time. Um, I think it's bad to acknowledge the WWE, or to acknowledge the NBA playoffs when your TV is going, sorry, it isn't, it's, Especially if you're just going to have a jobber and not actually someone from the, from from the NBA playoffs, but whatever. Uh, as far as the like the written letter thing, I like to think that Stephanie McMahon just has like a a typist. She's like, take a letter <laughs> and like yells at her and shit, like 1920 style. Uh, <laughs> at least that's how I saw it. But yes, dearest Kurt Angle, fuck off. <laughs> It's, it's just thoroughly modern Stephanie, man. <laughs> okay, let's keep on going. All right, so Nia Jax defeated Natalia. Tyler tweaked her knee during the match, oh, allowing Jax to hit her with a small and drop the win. After the match, Jax and Ronda Rousey shared an awkward stare down over the injury of Natalia. By the way, Natalia did it to herself in the match. I'm getting sick of these fucking tweaked angles. It probably wouldn't have bothered me, but we're going to talk about the second one that happens in the night that might screw up the whole entire placement for their freaking match. I don't know why they're doing this. It's really dumb. And uh, Ronda was fine on commentary, better than the week before. She was actually talking this time. But there were some weird, awkward comments where Nia Jax called her something, I guess, on Twitter. And she goes, well, my husband's the only one who calls me that. And I know for a fact it was Vince McMahon because it went to commercial. It didn't go over. And then... She said the exact same fucking line, and everyone started laughing at the table. And it was something that was, like, just kind of pervy, just kind of, like, rubbed me the wrong way. Like, God damn that! like, what the fuck am I watching? If I showed someone this shit right now, they're going to fucking think I'm an idiot. But I still loved it. Anyways, um, how did you feel, Chris, about this? Oh, the commentary was god-awful. Um, David Otunga <laughs> is terrible, by the fucking way. Yeah. And uh, he is not improved by hanging out with uh, Renee Young. Like, if you want to put some more commentary, just put Renee Young on her commentary. She'll do better than Otunga. Jesus Christ. No, she's Mean Jean now. <laughs> Jesus. 
Oh my god. You could have her only say meow and she would still be better than Jinko Tunga. Fuck. Uh Otunga's terrible, uh, at commentary. And um the commentary on this match was really, really bad. The setup was fine. Uh I don't know. I don't know that it it's I guess it was supposed to be charming when Ronda Rousey was there, or like it's supposed to make you like her more. But she came across as like grouchy as fuck, <laughs> and uh, me into the, the crowd was, and the crowd wasn't into the match at all uh, because they they don't have a face to root for at all. Like Nia <laughs> is a heel now, and the talent. Natalia is the heel now, so two heels beating each other gives you nothing to cheer for. So I guess they were just supposed to stare at Ronda and pretend they could hear what she was saying live. So the entire thing was just fucking weird. Uh, I thought it was I thought it was uh, pretty pretty fucked as far as the segment goes. Yeah, I, I I didn't get it. I also didn't get later on when they had that, you know, Natalia's telling them both it's 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 fine, I'm fine, blah 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 blah. And they're like yelling at each other, and then they stare off into the fucking distance. If if it was me, I would have them like squaring off and like just snarling at each other at that point. No, they're just gonna stare off in space and watch Natalia walk down the fucking hallway. Some of this stuff I just don't get. I did like Bobby Roode's uh, interview beforehand. I liked that he seemed kind of heelish, and I liked in his match against Braun Strowman, he was kind of acting heelish, like doing the whole you know, uh, messing with them and then also going around the ring where the ladder was and going underneath it, calling him Fat Boy. Remind me of NXT Bobby. I hope they're going that direction. I'm not going to – well, I, I I wish they would. I'm not going to hope on it, though. Um, but Braun Smash, Braun Smash Ladder, someone online. It's probably just, you know, it, it's already, like, broken right there. It's not really that big – okay, yeah, probably. It's probably prop. Shut the fuck up and just enjoy it. Jesus. The guy is pretty damn strong regardless. And that looked pretty impressive, so that's what they were trying to go for. Bobby sold amazingly after that. He looked terrified. Um, and I would probably look like that, too, if, if a giant monster like that did that. Power slam, goodbye, Braun Strowman wins. How do you feel? I thought the, I thought the latter thing looked fine. Uh, I had no problems with it. The match was only four minutes long, so I, I kind of hope that they're turning Rude heel uh, based on what he was saying. Uh, but overall, it was just pretty much a squash match for Strowman. Um, not the best night for Bobby Roode unless they have something really big planned for him going forward. But yeah, I, I that match was fine if you're just putting over Braun. I feel with Braun and also Seth, man, and even more so with Braun, that their flame's still there and they're definitely still over as hell. But WWE's kind of flatlining on them and letting them just do that themselves instead of pushing them. And I really hate to think that it's because of how they feel still about Roman Reigns. Or should I say how Vince feels about Roman Reigns. Ugh, drives me crazy. All right, so the B team won the tag team battle royal. Tom Ziggler and Drew McIntyre going to eliminate first. All right, if they're already setting up something where Drew's, like, realizing he doesn't need Dolph, they haven't even had a fucking tag title run. What the hell does that do? I can see if this is potentially going to be the two of them and returning Jason Jordan, teams with Chad Gable, and then you have American Alpha in them, having some damn good matches, winner ends up going against whoever the hell has the title. I don't even remember. The, the tag winners right now, and I like the wrestlers involved, I could give a shit less more. Hey, Chris, real quick answer. What tag team champions do you like more, Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt or the Bludgeon Brothers? 
Which one do you care more about? The Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt. But are either of them really, like, do you, do you put that much thought into it at all? I mean, I like Matt Hardy. He's funny to watch each week. So, yeah, Matt Hardy. I, feel like not, not, I just feel like they're not even using him to his full potential. I kind of feel like Matt Hardy is the Luke Harper in that type of situation where it's like, all right, this is just no, going to hold they, him back. They, and Bray Wyatt to come out they, and tack like an idiot. They tacked, they tacked him on Bray. <laughs> they tacked Bray yeah. onto him, which is exactly what I said they should have done. They totally fucking did it. But to be fair, <laughs> Drew McIntyre moved up to the to make roster and they tossed Dolph Ziggler onto him. So <laughs> I don't think they're doing a lot of tag team stuff right right now. At least with Matt and Bray, you can have Bray <laughs> snap out of this thing and get a match out of it. <laughs> like, I don't know. And not, only, I, and not only that, it's like the Revival could have gone in the second to last match. Did you really just give us the passing of the torch between the buffoon tag team of Heath Slater and the Rhino? Now passing it to the B team of Curtis Axel because that's and 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 uh, Bo Dallas that's exactly what it came off like and great I yeah, mean, for- I feel like that's going to be cool but I don't think they're going to do anything with it and it's going to be just like Brazongo is it, do you agree with that I, I could see it being similar to Brazongo though I do say Heath Slater and you know not Heath Slater and Rhino but uh, the B team um. They're both really good wrestlers, and you could make something out of that that's interesting as, I hey, know. they're just doing uh, I don't know what they're going to do with it. They can just fuck it up, but whatever, dude. The tag team division on Raw sucks. <laughs> what? But the thing is, if you look at the stat, well, actually, most of them do suck. But, I mean, they have the Revival <laughs> on there. They have they potentially have American Alpha. They have, they, they have, they have Drew, Drew McIntyre and Dolph Ziggler. They have... People, people have way more faith... Back? People have way more faith in the revival than I've ever had in the revival, apparently. Because even when you told me the revival got drafted to Raw originally, I was like, eh. I'm just, I'm not. Well, I like it. They're all like, the I get competition in the ring. You know what I'm saying? What competition? They're going against Titus O'Neil, Apollo Cruz, Brazango, exactly. The Ascension, and Rhino and Heath Slater. It's like, yes, the That's B what team. I'm <laughs> <laughs> the B team is probably the best tag team in this match. Oh, I don't know. Well, especially, I mean, I guess especially because the really... Re- I mean, the reason the revivals, but like the revival, they got injured. They like both of them took injuries, and their push got killed. And now everything and they, they got had buried by DX. NXT, yeah, everything they had coming from NXT is, and they got buried by DX. Like I, any little bit of shred that I liked about them, like I think they're both good in ring workers. But, like, their push should have happened after they broke Kofi's ankle. Like, that was their push. And it didn't happen. And now they have – they don't have a tag team for them to face. they got to build someone. I mean, they can't just have them go against Matt and Bray because no one sees the revival as challenges for Matt, Hardy, and Bray Wyatt. They just don't. So, until you can build them up, and putting them against a team called the B team is probably not going to be the thing. Um so, like like I said, the tag team division on Raw sucks. <laughs> I I agree, man. All right, let's go to the next segment. Uh, Bobby Lashley and Sami Zayn argued for a long time until Zayn accused Lashley of never having served in the military. All right, I'll say this: this is a fuckload better than the this this is your life. Oh, I mean, 
uh, uh, my sisters are all trannies or whatever the fuck they try to do. That was horrible. Um, I appreciated Bobby Lashley in Impact Wrestling. I think that they booked him actually a hell of a lot better than then WWE. But I've never been back when I got out of wrestling. Uh, you know, back in the 2000s, I was never that big of a fan of Bobby Lashley. Honestly, um, I think he's showing charisma, but I think he should be a heel. He's another guy that I think just works better as a heel. And uh, this is probably not helping either of them. I didn't think either of them were bad. I thought that Sammy actually did a great job being a heel in the audience, talking shit to him, walking from place to place, being that, that pain in the ass. Uh, the the shout-out to the military, I don't think it's crossing the line, but once again, it, it's kind of like having Ronda and, and Nia stare off into the distance instead of like squaring off and giving like a fuck you look. Bobby should have charged wherever the hell Sammy was to actually make that have a little more oomph, to me at least. If I were booking it, that's what I would have done to like, you know, like, oh shit, he's really fired up. Like, he goes chases after Sammy. Later on, you got the camera back there. He's looking for Sammy. He's screaming screaming for him and shit like that. Give it something! It was just nothing. It was just a stupid little thing. Dumb to you that's going to happen. Neither wrestler really gets anything from this. Do you agree? Yeah, I mean, like, I don't, I don't know. I fucking partially tuned out of this entire segment because they started showing me Instagram photos in wrestling. <laughs> it's true. Like if you would have just been like you were you 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 have as much ties to like the military as <laughs> as Randy Orton and then they like just fought each other, that would have been <laughs> Or something like I don't know. Fuck it. I like. Who cares? It, it's they're bad. It was bad. <laughs> it's fucking bad. I mean, you can look uh, at Bobby yeah. Lashley's Wikipedia page and tell that he definitely like he he didn't he go to wasn't he in the didn't he go to an actual like oh my god wasn't he in like the military specifically for wrestling or did I just make that up? Oh, I have no idea. I know his dad was like, like a drill sergeant. Like, I, I, I didn't mean, get what they were talking about. Sammy's being a fucking heel, but it was stupid. It didn't even work out that well. I, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I just feel like this is a weird feud, and that neither. Yeah, guy he really he went he went to the okay. Yeah, he totally went into the army. That's right. Bobby Lashley was actually in the army, as far as I know, and wrestled. While oh no no yeah, he was in the military. That's what you were asking. I'm sorry. Move so it's on. like, why the hell even bring that up? Like it, like Sammy didn't, didn't look at his Wikipedia page, so but it, but he but he had time to like look at his Instagram, but not like pull up his Wicca. Like, he should have made fun of him for being in TNA. Like, that would have been really fucking funny. <laughs> but the thing is, what's fucked up is that TNA is where he just was, and they're booking him better than they are on fucking Raw. Oh, my God. All right, let's go to the next match. The Riot Squad defeated Alexa Bliss, Sasha Banks, and Ember Moon by disqualification. Bliss faked a hamstring injury to lead the match, making it three on two. Bailey ran down the ring to replace Bliss. Made a tag and won the match with the belly to Bailey, and then Baron Corbin convinced Kurt Angle that this isn't allowed and should have been a disqualification. So he reversed the decision. You told him he you you got to watch him tell not only the females about that about his new decision, but then he ran down the referee and was letting him have it. So for entertainment purposes, they're probably trying not to go for Baron Corbin 
as the constable. Yeah. Anyways, um, so Alexa Bliss tweaked her her uh, her whatever too. Isn't that cool? They did two of those in one night, Chris. No, and Otonga is the absolute worst. I'm going to get into some lines Grizzling on commentary shit. that him and Graves had together at the end of this match. Like, Otonga said, if Angle approved it, it must be legal. And then Graves said, the referee is obviously doing his job on Ambient, which is just totally a, a Roseanne reference. And I just like, fucking A, did they really think about this ahead of time? Like, uh, This was awful. This was fucking awful. Uh, but Corbin's promo on Angle actually made sense and kind of made me be like, yeah, like, whatever Corbin's saying actually makes sense. What the fuck, dude? <laughs> uh, I mean, he, he is true. I'm glad that giant uh, Keanu Reeves is now our voice of reason on Raw to, <laughs> to iron out Kurt Angle's horrible track record of being an awful fucking manager. Um all right, so our last match. Guys, if you got this far, you probably watched the product. Maybe you just got a review from us for everything. This, just go to this match. Actually, watch the opening. Watch the Seth Rollins, uh, Roman Reigns tag match. It's fun. And then go right to the fucking last match because Finn Balor defeated Kevin Owens by disqualification when Owens wouldn't stop attacking him. That was kind of dumb. They had a great match before that. They know how to work with each other. These guys are best friends in real life. You can tell. After the match, Owen tried to splash Balor uh, from a or yeah, splash onto Balor from the ladder, but chickened out. Very similar to how he did it with Shay McMahon on the Hell in a Cell. I, I found that to be uh, fun. Uh, then Balor pulled him down to Grav from the top of the ladder. Looked awesome. Uh, I liked everything about this except for the fact that since Finn just did that, they, since they didn't save the Coup de Grav for the main thing, you can kiss at least in my opinion, you can kiss Finn's chances of winning out the fucking window. I think it actually helps KO. I'm still convinced it's going to be like a heel, either Miz or KO or like my top two for winning Money in the Bank or, or whoever from the New Day. It's one of those three, to me. At least. But uh, either way, uh, I thought that was a pretty damn good match, entertaining. They've had better. But uh, if you want, just check that out and don't watch the rest of it. I thought it was a good match, and I I actually liked the match, and I thought it was actually a good finish because it actually made the five count mean something in the corner for once. And I appreciated it just for that. Like, they were like, what finish do you want to do, KO? And Balor was like, well, he's just going to keep kicking me in the corner until the ref counts to five, and then that will be a DQ. And I was like, they follow the rules? So... I actually appreciated what happened at the end of that match in a weird way. But, uh, yeah, like, I, I thought the finish of that match was really interesting. I think Balor has a really good shot at winning Money in the Bank um, and heading for the title. I think it could be a situation where Brock drops whoever wins at Money in the Bank. I, I think it will be a Raw superstar, more than likely. Um, so either KO or, or Finn are probably my top picks. Um no, I would really love to see like a, a Kofi Kingston win it and actually win the title. Uh, I think that would just be a good nod to Kofi Kingston, who's been there for so long, doing so much. And has kind of been a mid-card dude for a long time and, and been a really great worker. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen because they don't give a fuck about what I think. But it'd be cool if Balor or Kevin won it and then they just screw over Brock Lesnar. Um, maybe injure him. Kevin Owens would be perfect for this with a pop-up powerbomb on the apron if Brock would actually sell it. Uh, and then he could leave and go train for UFC or whatever, and 
that would actually make sense in the storyline. But I don't think they're going to do that. This was a terrible, terrible Monday Night Raw. Like one of the worst ones I've seen since WrestleMania. Question. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen. New Day wins, or whoever wins. Would you have a problem if they free bird the money in the bank and kind of do that, like kind of work as who's going to win it, and then convince them to let them free bird the actual title? Would you have any problems with either of those scenarios? I have no problem with it at all. I would like them more to free bird the money in the bank, and then when whoever goes to cash it in, they, like, they make a team decision, and one of them turns uh, heel, and that breaks up the new day. But I think that's something you drag out longer, um, and you just have to decide on who you want to turn. I think that Xavier Woods would be the guy for me personally that I would pick if they don't if, – if they think that his audience can separate video games – like the up, up, down, down from wrestling, I think he would be the one to turn heel. Uh, outside of that, it would probably make the most sense for, for Big E to be the guy to screw over uh, Kofi and Xavier and just grab the briefcase and cash it in. I think it'll be, if they do it, it's going to be one of these guys is getting a big push. The other two will probably stay a tag team of some sort with a slight feud going afterwards. Um I personally, I like Big E, but I just don't see him as a heavyweight title holder uh, for a top guy. I, I, I just, because Avery Woods has so much charisma in a way that you could, I could easily see him there. And Kobe Kingston just has been there for so long that I think people would just appreciate it if he won the title. I, I don't know that I feel the same way about Big E, but Big E turning heel um, and having like a really good heel run, being kind of a big monster guy I think would work. I, I thought his heel work with AJ Lee when he was kind of her bodyguard, kind of, it works okay. And it'd be interesting to see what Big E can do as a heel. So I actually have no problem with that. I think that they should run with it for a while, just trading the briefcase off and, and teasing. Um, like, can you imagine, like, them sliding in the ring and then just throwing the briefcase out to another member and then throwing it back across the ring? Like, the kind of stuff New Day would do with it. Hop It'd be dressed up like a... Yeah, it'd be, like, dressed like a unicorn. Like... All sorts of fun stuff if they really wanted to go that route, in all honesty. And I have no problem with it. I don't want to see the, the what the we are the heavyweight champions, necessarily. Uh, no, it would be really funny. I think it devalues the belt, and it's been on AJ for a while. And to me, that's the most important belt in WWE. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. The IC title is probably a second, but both of them are way over, or, and the U.S. title all over the fucking universal title today. Not the Vince, though. All right, let's move on to SmackDown, Chris. Uh, Carmella promised to unmask Asuka by showing footage of her losing at WrestleMania, saying she wasn't the same performer she was her unde- during her undefeated streak. Asuka interrupted, but was interrupted by Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville. Paige gave Asuka a choice of who she wanted to fight, and Asuka chose both Rose and Deville. That led to a handicap match in which Asuka defeated Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville. Asuka won by submission with an Asuka lock on Deville. After the match, Carmella attacked Asuka. Um, wasn't a bad opening. I thought this was going to be the drizzling shit. I really was worried this was going to be like, this is your life, because every time they're trying to unmask the person, it ends up just being a horrible fucking segment that's like, we want to be like the Attitude Era, but it sucks now. We don't have as much fucking drive or writing ability like we did back then. Uh, but this one wasn't bad. It just made her look like a good heel. She pro- showed her progressively like the kinks in her armor. I didn't think it was that bad uh, getting the X uh, 
whatever the hell Paige's faction was called, involved is fine. I think Asuka looked good for the handicap match. Uh, she was able to handle both girls, and I thought Carmella, her biggest suit, she might not be the best wrestler, but she could talk. She showed it off, I think, during that, and also when she was on um, commentary. Uh, Chris, how did you feel? I mean, it's it's a weird thing because like half like two wrestlers from your women division lost to one person. So your top tier stars. What what do you have? Eight women in on SmackDown right now? If you really think about it, you I have think, well, you have Becky. I think it's four. You have Becky, right? You have Oscar. You have Charlotte. You have. Uh, the villain Rose, and then you have Carmella, who's the champion, and they just made two of them look weak by losing a handicap match to Oscar when they're both heels. I think it makes sense for Oscar; it gives her a push after taking a loss, you know, to Charlotte, and they're going to continue to do that. But it makes your women's division look a little weak, in my opinion. I, I think if you if they, if she was going to win, it should have been by DQ. Or something. But yeah. That's just more of just, I agree. They have they have like eight wrestlers, so when your division's as small as their their division is on SmackDown with the women's division. Um I don't know. It's a weird thing to bury two people because now that kind of puts Sonya Deville and Mandy Rose into a position where they're not on the same level as former champions like Becky Lynch and Naomi, so they're going to just job and de- they've been uh, like immediately put down into job territory, in in my opinion at least. And I mean, I guess there's nothing wrong with that, but you know, they were building this group <laughs> and it just fell apart. Um, and they've seen a lot of in-ring time and pay-per-view time, so it's just kind of sucks overall. It's like, oh yeah, since Paige is not here, you girls are going to get just decimated. Uh, except for you, Mandy Rose. You might have potential because Vince sees something in you. Vince, you dirty old man, stop staring at Mandy Rose. Uh, yeah. Anyways. Next, we had uh, the Bludgeon Brothers, uh, part of it, Luke Harper, now known as Harper. Luke doesn't exist anymore. Uh, going against part of the club, uh, the good brother, Carl Anderson. And Carl Anderson won with a roll-up in less than two minutes. Um, being a Harper mark, um, couldn't he have done this, Eric Rowan? I guess not because of his size, but all right. That just makes me think, if I'm to go into the logic of Vince, which is not a, much of logic, um, I'm going to assume that that probably proves the club's not going to win. You're going to roll up that easily against Harper as a stronger member. Uh, not stronger, but the more the leader, it seems, of uh, the two of them for the Bludgeon Brothers. What do you think, Chris? I mean, this is just good. This is just old school booking. You have the underdog, the smaller member of the tag team, actually get a win over you know the big mean heels. So it's just kind of very basic booking. They went for it very fast. I think it's matched like what, like two minutes or something. It's very very quick. Uh, I didn't have a problem with it because you know they're just going to do this tag meet, tag match or, or another singles match or a tag match in between the pay per view. You know, two more times. So they're just going to trade off and then. Uh, I think the Bludgeon Brothers will probably hold on to the titles until they get the Usos back up and running, honestly. Well, it's funny that you mentioned the Usos, because Jimmy and Uso 
and Naomi defeated Aiden English and Lana. Naomi hit a high crossbody on the English, and Uso followed up with a super kick to win the match, uh, during which is what I was kind of referring to earlier. Aiden English was getting the crowd against them. Lana was too. Definitely seems like they're trying to get the Rusev Day thing to die down. It didn't seem like it had that much of a impact later on when Rusev was, was in a match, which kind of just sucks that someone can get naturally get themselves over and get nothing from the back. Um, but, yes, whatever. Uh, Lana's not the greatest wrestler, but she's, I think she's getting more decent, and she's definitely strong on the mic. This is better than their little dance competition or whatever the hell that was last week. And I like Jimmy Uso, and it ain't in English. Um, but really, I, I, I really don't care. Chris, how'd you like it? This is just a fun, like, here's a match kind of match, in my opinion. I don't know if they're going to build to something with this. Hopefully there's not more tag teams. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't, have a, I, I don't have a huge opinion on it. I thought it was fine for what it was. All right, next we had AJ Styles, Chisley Nakamura, and a backstage contract signing for Money in the Bank. Nakamura refused to sign the contract, so Styles slapped him. Nakamura signed the contract after Styles had been taken away, and he slapped the shit out of him. There's a big-ass red mark on Nakamura's face. Um, I like Nakamura and all this. I like how AJ gets all, like, flustered like he does. That's AJ. Mike, don't mess with my mic. I'm from fucking Gangsville. Um, you know, he's just got that, that, that aggression kicks in for that little southern boy. Um, uh-huh. And Nakamura definitely got him, got him riled up. Um, I, I really think that Shinsuke is going to win this, and I kind of want him to. I love AJ, but I think that we could use this change. But somehow I feel like that's not going to happen. For some reason, they're just going to kind of overlook this feud, which is it, it's definitely gaining a lot more momentum than, say, when they fought each other at WrestleMania and we were all like, what the fuck? How'd you like this, Chris? Kind of old school. I, I liked it. I thought it was a fine contract signing. I didn't think it went too far. Obviously, it, you know, went over the line, but the big news here was Dean Malenko made an appearance. <laughs> so anytime I get to see Dean Malenko, very excited. That's so true. Um, <laughs> uh, I thought it was, you know, I thought I like the way the styles is basically talking about Nakamura pulling mind games and uh, because he doesn't have the confidence to actually beat AJ Styles and then, you know, Nakamura kept pushing butt. Made sense. I thought it was fine. It's just setting up for a match, and you know, hopefully this match is better than their last two. Though I do see that I, I kind of see Nakamura winning this match, honestly. Yeah, me too. I think that's inevitably going to be what happens. All right. So we have probably the biggest thing that happened. Actually, these last two matches, it's, it's always the enders, but um, I like the matches a lot. Uh, Becky Lynch defeated Charlotte Flair. Lynch won by submission with the Disarmor. Um, I, I thought this was actually a really good match. Kind of like reminded me of Rocky and Apollo, like what their little spar would have done. Um, they, they brought fun. They brought a little bit of humor. Some of it was kind of dumb, but didn't really bother me too much because of their relationship. And I enjoyed the back and forth. I don't think it was really good for Charlotte. It was definitely not good for Asuka since, you know, it kind of goes all back to her. But it's really good for Becky. How do you feel, Chris? I, I, I actually enjoyed the match a lot. I thought it could be a really, really good, you know, match in the future if they give them some more time um, to work. I thought it was 
probably the best match of the night, in all honesty. Um, pro- I mean, I'm sure that someone will have an opinion about that, but I, I thought it was the best match of the night. I was really, I really enjoyed it. Um, what I will say is, yes, it is a weird situation where it hurts Charlotte, but it, it helps, you know, it helps show Charlotte as a face. She lost a match clean. She's not upset. She's taken two losses. They're going to build it up as, hey, Charlotte is trying to make a comeback. Yeah, she's she's a good person. They're building her up as like a baby face. Um, All right. And maybe they though, have her snap. Because I know, I know we need to move on, but I wanted to ask you. Part of you that wanted Charlotte to start beating the shit out of Becky after they kind of like, you know, good job, you won. Like that whole tire thing happened. Because I did. I was like, no, that would be so awesome yet. if Charlotte just knocked her in the back of the head. Not yet, though. Not yet? Too soon. Yeah, I think a couple more and then do it, and then, yeah, great. That's that's a, 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 a immediately what I thought, was that you're going to see Charlotte okay. snap. Uh, but I think it's going to take a little bit more time. Um, and I think there's a good possibility that it could be after, you know, Money in the Bank, right? Because Becky's in Money in the Bank. Isn't Charlotte also in Money in mm-hmm. the Bank? She, yeah, okay. So I think you might see it there uh, where, you know, Becky screws over Charlotte, similar to Sami Zayn, and or, or vice versa, one of the two, and that sets up the feud, and then that's where you get the feud of Becky and Charlotte, um, leading up to you know a title match against whoever the champion is at that point in time. I agree, and I hope that does happen. All right, so and I, I really could see Becky winning the Money at the Bank. She seems very, she has a little bit of potential to me to win. Um, Big Cass promised to beat up Daniel Bryan at Money in the Bank. Great Cass. Cass did great on the mic. Still kind of like don't really give a shit about this. Um, and Dreddy seeing almost text and Cara backstage. I thought that was pretty good. I like that. I can't wait to see the two of them. It might be on the pre-show for this next event, but that's fine. They'll tear it up and it will make Andretti look that, that much more like a heel. I, I would want him to like go for his mask, like such shit. Uh, last but not least, the New Day defeated the Miz, Rusev, and Samoa Joe. Joe, Joe and Rusev abandoned the Miz, leaving him alone to take the midnight hour and get pinned. No word yet on which member of the New Day will be in the ladder match at Money in the Bank. Chris, the last match in the last two segments. What do you got to say before we stroll well, off? Into what the I, okay, well, what I will say about the Samoa Joe promo is I thought it, it was uh, a nineteen late 1970s, early 1980s, like, promo. Just, you know, a pro wrestler coming off as a complete badass, solo performer, you know, back-against-the-wall kind of person. Um just, you know, self-confidence uh, exuding out of his body. Just some, something different than what we see for most promos. So I appreciated it. Um, I could see how other people would look at it and be like, eh. It's because we get a lot of promos shoved down our throats. But it was very good storytelling by Samoa Joe. And I, Are you I talking about Big Cat? Well, I'm talking about the Samoa Joe promo. Oh, I thought you were talking about the Big Cass promo that I was talking about. I forgot about the Samoa promo. That was good. Okay. Well, no, I don't give a shit about Big Cass. It sucks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was talking about Samoa Joe. You said the last two promos before the main event, and Samoa Joe definitely had a promo in there that was pretty fucking good. Uh, <laughs> but Big Cass, yeah, I don't care. Um, him just talking about Daniel Bryan being small is just, like, not doing it for me. Uh, if you want to book him and just destroy small people, just have him do what you have Mark Henry do. Tall. Not talk. Yeah, induct people into the Hall of Fame. Um, stop talking so much. 
Uh, New Day versus The Miz and Rusev and Samoa Joe. I actually thought this was a, a pretty fun match, and The Miz has continuously impressed me since coming to SmackDown. I think it kind of revitalized him a little bit, at least in my opinion. But, uh, yeah, it was fun. Um, I don't really have anything else to say about that, except for, you know, obviously they're building to New Day being in Money in the Bank. So uh, I liked it. I liked it a lot. And that's the bottom line. And that's the bottom line. Stone Cold Seth Yeah. Well, I don't. Thanks, I don't Steve. know. I don't know. I don't know if Stone Cold liked it a lot. I have to ask him. Yeah, I'm not 100 percent sure either. But you know what I am sure about the fact that we are done with this episode of Wrestling East Alliance. Thank you, everybody out there, for listening to us tonight. We hope you enjoyed the show. We got more wrestling stuff coming next week. <laughs> where we can ramble on and talk about it for two hours and give you guys the best entertainment that money can buy. So pay us, please. Um, definitely check us out uh, on uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, everything that Geek 5 Nation or Geek 5. Uh, check out our website. Check out everything. Check us out on iTunes. we get stuff on YouTube. Everything. It's like a smorgasbord of geek fandom, including wrestling. Where we do this show every Wednesday, 7 o'clock, EFC, and uh, I just want to thank my co-host, Mr. Christopher Ray Patton. Thank you, sir. Do you have any announcements, anything you want to say to the audience before we go? Nothing much. If you guys want to talk to me online, you can hit me at at Chris R. Patton on Twitter. Make sure you check out at Geek Vibes Live as, as well. And uh, yeah, man, I had a great time talking to you, and it was a really fun show, and I hope everybody has an awesome week. I love you guys. What? I care for you guys. (laughs) (laughs) All right. But uh, seriously, guys, thank you guys so much for listening and keep on getting you more and more uh, great content. And we appreciate all the listens. We'll get some more guests coming up. And I hope you guys have a wonderful evening. Peace out. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.